It's time debit card users are also included in the cashback fun. Now everyone can get cashback on everyday purchases with Discover Cashback Debit. That includes no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture. From the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between, we'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Folks, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Friday episode. How the heck are you guys doing? Now, uh, I've gone to four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, unless something insane happens, and then I'll do a Thursday episode as well. But you can always find me over on Patreon for extra episodes, patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. I feel like the last two days has been like a month. I have been up since like 6.30 this morning. I've done four interviews today. What a glorious day it was. I talked to Sammy Sage over at Betches. I talked to Mr. Danny Pellegrino. His new holiday book is so dang good. Uh, The Jolliest Bunch, which you should pre-order now. It comes out October 24th. I got to uh, guest last minute on the Hollywood Raw podcast with Dax Holt. That should be out today. And, you know, he did like a top 10 pop culture stories and love talking to to Dax. Love those guys. Love that podcast. So that's worth checking out. And then uh, I did what else? I did another one. Oh, yeah. I talked to somebody from Love is Blind season five, which you will see next week. I got to watch the season finale uh, a day early and the reunion. And that show is just insane. Listen, I don't (laughs) listen. I don't. It's just funny that we live in a society where, you know, they're like, this experiment is love blind. It's not experiments on like curing cancer anymore. It's like, can we put people in a box and see if they don't see each other, they'll still fall in love. I've been also watching all of these Saw horror movies, the Saw movie franchise, because, you know, it's spooky season. But the Saw movies really aren't spooky. They're literally just sticking knives in people and cutting people open. But I was like... I need a Saw movie set in the Love is Blind pods. Like, do you want to play? I'd like to play a game. (laughs) See, (laughs) will you fall in love with me, Jigsaw? (laughs) It's so insane. I'm watching too much TV, folks. That is it. And tonight, Thursday night, man, we got Southern Charm. We got The Golden Bachelor. I cry at least one to two times for every hour of The Golden Bachelor on ABC. So I'm excited to get my tear ducts working tonight. On Watch What Happens Live, we're going to have Mr. Jax Taylor, who is in House of Villains, which premieres tonight on E! as well. My goodness, it is just too much TV. But if one man can handle it, it's this guy right here, the bad boy of podcasting. I was put on earth with two eyes for a reason, to watch television, baby. Um... Also, today's episode will be a full line-by-line recap of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Episode 6. This show gets better and more bizarre each episode. I truly can't believe we live in a day and age where we get to see Brooks Marks gallivanting around in snowshoes. That scene with him and his mom when they are driving to go snowshoeing where he's wearing the big ski goggles while driving and Meredith recounts her 
quote unquote accident, as the producers put it in quotes, about running into a snowbank and then talking to her son about dating while he's wearing these gigantic goggles. And then they put on snowshoes and Brooks is like, let's go snowshoeing, mom, and just hops around. He literally is like hopping. (laughs) It's so insane. It's true. But I. It is so damn watchable, you guys. And then, of course, we'll do a little mini recap, some thoughts on Real Housewives of Orange County, the season finale. I mean, because we had the second part of the reunion. So. My job is to be Shannon Storms Bedore. My job is to be Shannon Storms Bedore. That was legendary. What a le- We had some legendary moments in the second part of the reunion last night. I, I was saying this somewhere, is that Shannon Bedore and Meredith Marks. It's like when housewives get like in the fourth season, they start taking these crazy risks vocally, you know, like you'll see Meredith, you know, like obviously the accent work of like, you want to check about your husband? But then even when she's not tipsy, I've noticed with Meredith, she'll kind of like, uh, she'll elongate certain vowels. Like, do you think that's okay? And then Shannon, I mean, this moment, this Shannon. That is very reminiscent of Meredith Marks. You can leave. The vocal ranges on these ladies as they get more confident and comfortable around the cameras. It's truly breathtaking to watch. It's really breathtaking and just a a tad scary, if you will. Uh, Let me talk to you about yesterday. I got to be on Jeff Lewis Live on Sirius XM. If you listen to the podcast on Wednesday, first off, thank you. But uh, I was I was very nervous about going. I thought, like, listen, this could go very poorly. Who knows how this is going to go? And so it's kind of cool. It was my first time there. Um, with him, I've gotten to be on reality checked a couple times when Amy Phillips hosted and I love Amy, but what you do is you meet for coffee beforehand at like eight 20 and then you walk over to serious offices and you're, you know, you're in the seat doing the show at 9am. So the first time, I mean, I've met Jeff in passing, but he wouldn't have remembered who I was. So, uh, Justin Martindale was there and Shane, and I'm forgetting the gentleman's name who does the video, but he's a genius. Um, I really love the video work. Like he sets up all the cameras and does the editing and make the clips. Uh, I got to meet him at BravoCon last year and I just, I think he's great. But, uh, and then Jameson who, you know, is in studio. I mean, everybody's really great, but it was a really loose atmosphere. And I got to tell you, I just laughed my ass off. I laughed. I'd never met Justin Martindale before. He was super nice. Uh, we had known each other from Instagram the way you should know people from social media, but it was great. And like, you know, it was just really silly. Jeff was making me laugh. We got on a good bit about Jameson and his boyfriend. And I just, I was, it was kind of like heavenly if, you know, it was just, that's the vibe you want with anything, right? It's like when you're laughing with a bunch of friends and just like kind of bouncing off each other. I think the thing was, is like trying to find my places to be able to come into the conversation and not distract or interrupt because, you know, Justin, super funny. It's Jeff's show. Those guys all have such a great working environment already. So you're like, well, what could I add to any of this? And it was great. I mean, it was really, really fun. And, you know, thank you to Kate for calling in. We had another great caller that said a really nice thing about my mom. And and then everybody was just so supportive online. I didn't get to read everything because I try to stay away from that stuff. But 
I was sent a couple of, of things of people saying really nice things about me. So thank you. And if any new listeners are here, uh, hi, welcome. It's going to be okay. We're, we're going to do a recap of a show line by line. It's going to potentially exhaust you, but thank you for being here. So I don't know. I think I'm going to be back. They, they asked, you know, Jeff seemed pleased with it. I don't think we made any huge screw ups, but I got to tell you, man, I was nervous, but you get at ease real quickly. I was like, Oh, this is just being silly. This is just being silly. Cause the night before I was like, man, I don't have any funny stories in my life right now. It's pretty much sitting podcasting or dealing with my mom's death and dealing with my dad. And it's hard for me to even sometimes be funny about that or try to find, you know, <laughs> find ways to laugh at this. So it was just really nice. I, I was so my man, I was jacked up, not on like I'm jacked up on coffee, but I was just my body was so nervous. My adrenal. I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So it, it went it, it went as best uh, as, as can be expected. I uh, was very happy to be there and everybody was seemed really positive. So that's what I needed. And then it's uh, back to normal, man. We've been working ever since. So many good interviews coming up for you to hear. And then tomorrow, I have to head out to New York now. Going to go do Betch's stuff, do the show from there. And I'm going to go see Joey Gorga's stand-up show. i <laughs> see Melissa Gorga. I mean, tr truly, what? This is insane. It's truly, truly insane. Um, I don't know how this is my life, you guys. I don't know how. And then... BravoCon is in a couple of weeks and I'm getting excited about that. Starting to think about that more. I was talking to Danny Pellegrino about that this morning and he's going to be there. So that's exciting. I know the comments by celebs girls are going to be there. That's exciting. And hopefully some of you guys are going to be there and we can all party and bond. I did this really interesting interview um, uh, with this awesome woman yesterday trying to find uh, her exact, uh, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say her name. I don't, she didn't tell me I had to hide her name, but we talked yesterday uh, for a long time about the podcast, but it was interesting. It was for, it was for her. Um, sorry, you guys trying to find this real quick. This is why you got to be on top with notes and I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Jacqueline. Uh, I talked to Jacqueline and I believe this is for her business school at the University of Queensland in Australia. And she wanted to talk about the business side of So Bad It's Good, but also BravoCon, the business side of that. And it was a real fascinating conversation. I'd never talked to her before. I didn't know what to expect, but it got me thinking so much. Like when we started this 40 years ago now, almost, my God, by the way, I said three and a half on Jeff. And then of course, Meditza texted, it's four years. I'm like, what? Is, okay. Should I stop the show? Should, what, should I stop the show and let him know? Like, okay. Um, so it's four years, but she was talking about like building something. And it is interesting. Like you don't, when you start something, you don't think about, or at least I didn't think about where it could go. I just thought, oh, can I, can I even do this? Can we do this? Can we build something? And it's interesting to think back like, oh, wow, you can really see these building blocks falling into place. And some of that's by complete accident. A lot of it's obviously, if you listen, not by design. So it's interesting to get, you know, here or to, to keep 
to keep building and then try to, you know, like, oh my gosh, I got to start making firm plans of where to go. And then, you know, it was interesting to talk of like, oh yeah, I did have this in mind with this, or this is why I did go to Betches. But it was interesting to talk that out. And it's fascinating to think of anything as a business, but I mean that in the most positive way, not in a capitalistic pig way as it were, but it got me really excited about BravoCon because I was we were talking about the extreme cost of BravoCon and those things. But in a sense, we're all investing in something that we love. And we're also investing in ourselves that we're going to go out there and have a great time. And we're going to take those good memories and meet all of these new people and bond about this thing that we love and be able to take that energy back to our lives and see where it goes from there. You know, you're investing in yourself. You're investing in those times. Um, that you'll need when you're down, you know, and you'll be able to think back to this amazing weekend where you almost killed your liver and tried to hug Shep way too many times. <laughs> so I hope to see a lot of you guys out there. Um, let's see what else. Oh, you guys, after the Jeff Lewis thing, I was lucky enough to be sitting on a bunch of screeners of, I watched the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season premiere. Then I watched the Real Housewives of Potomac season premiere. And then I watched the first two episodes of Winter House, where Mr. Tom Schwartz comes in on the first episode, like hot on the heels of Scandival, like during it. In fact, if you remember the TMZ walk and talk interview at the airport, Schwartz was like, you know, the guy was like, hey, uh, OK, OK. Hey, Tom, what's going on with your buddy Tom Sandoval? OK, OK. And Schwartz is like, I don't know, man. It's crazy right now, huh, dude? Well, anyways, we get to see him, you know, land in Steamboat Springs and talk to Kyle and the rest of the guys about Scandaball. And it's really interesting to watch. Uh, the Beverly Hill stuff was interesting. Mauricio and Kyle, how they set that up. I'm not allowed to give anything away yet, uh, but I'm really excited. A very Dorit heavy episode. So a lot of Garcelle, a lot of Sutton. It was great. Uh, the new lady is not introduced yet. I believe she comes in on the second episode. And Potomac, you know, just those ladies work at a different level. Um, so it was really refreshing to get to see them again. And, and I don't know. So I think we are in for a really strong November of just amazing, amazing content, which will then be able to sit here and make fun and pick apart and do what we do. Okay. Where, uh, what should My we job is to make Shannon Storms By the way, she, can you put that on your LinkedIn? You know, my job is Shannon Storms Bedore. I've worked there from 1962 to present. Elevating my style used to mean breaking the bank, but with Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at prices I can actually afford. Now I can upgrade my style by snagging killer luxury essentials that sync with my vibe and my wallet. You guys know I've got a blue linen blazer. Now I have a black leather jacket and I have my eye on this Italian suede trucker jacket. I think that's going to be my next purchase. So Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You're going to have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the must-haves, like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, iconic 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow-knit activewear. With all Quince items, everything is priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. How do you not love that? 
So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping and 365 day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. If you're a wine lover like me, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your unique preferences. To start, all you have to do is answer a few quick questions on their website about what flavors that I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red, white, or rosé, or a combination. Now, based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored. You guys, I have to tell you, I got a free shipment with them, but I kept my membership going because I liked it so much. I swear to God, I got this great Sangiovese. I got a Malbec. Uh, I did get a Rosé as well because I have a combination and I am loving it. Best of all, I get to choose when I want my box delivered and how often I get new assortments of wine. Being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has its perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order, so you can continue to order the ones that you love. So, join the club today with me and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash so good to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash so good. Tryfirstleaf.com slash so good. What did you guys think of the, the OC reunion? I thought it was so incredibly strong. Like the first one I thought was good, but I was like, okay, yeah, this doesn't need to be more than two parts. And I still think it's perfect at two parts, but man, that second part of the reunion packed a wallop because it ended last week or where we left off was Shannon and Gina, where Gina's like, don't talk about my kids. How dare you keep my kid's name out of your mouth. And Shannon's like, I don't know. I, I, okay. Okay. And Obviously, Shannon knows she's not doing good. In fact, if you watch the uncensored version on Peacock, which is great because it's always fun to hear Heather DeVroe actually say the word fuck. Um, but you get to see some backstage footage. They break and Shannon's telling her makeup people like it is not going well. It is not going well. But then they come back from break and it kind of just all goes in because now we start focusing on John Jansen. Now, you guys know I'll do it one last time for the season. John Jansen is always kind of read as a buttoned up angry man, like presenting nice, seems like a friendly guy, but you can just tell bubbling under the surface. There is an angry man who is, I'm John Jansen. You just feel like he's always, I'm John Jansen. And that's why you've got to say his first and last name. It's like DJ James Kennedy. I can never say James or James Kennedy. You got to say DJ James Kennedy. It doesn't work. So the same thing with John. You got to be, I'm John Jansen. I'm John Jansen, damn it. I'm John Jansen. Well, anyway, Shannon is obviously not excited to talk about her relationship with John Jansen. Remember that they broke up a week after filming this season. And we see some unseen footage where John Jansen is like, listen, I think we can take this relationship to the next level. We can go much deeper with this relationship, which obviously we all. Yeah, that means anal probably. Right. <laughs> Nobody's like, we can take this much deeper. And then Andy's like, so what happened? And, you know, Shannon's like, he broke up with me 
after a week after we filmed that. So this MFR, sorry, John, um, you know, it does a scene and they say, yeah, he did that to make himself look good, which I'm glad they didn't use it in the actual show, but I don't even feel like we should have given him the unseen footage airing of it. But like he didn't want to break with her during the season. So he took the coward's way out and did it off season. And it just here's the deal. Shannon seems to make mistakes on the daily, right? We see it all the time. And she's really in the wrong a good number of those times. But I still believe and love Shannon. I still believe in and love Shannon Bedore. She is a completely sympathetic character, even though she comes off completely unsympathetic, if that makes sense. It's a real brain buster um, because she's so deeply insecure. And I think a lot of us that watch and even our own castmates are like, why you, you should, you should be okay. You're, you're not bad. You're an okay person. Why are you doing this to yourself? But she's had obviously a lot of trauma. She's had failed relationships, but she says in this reunion, she's like, John, I have never loved somebody so intensely as I've loved John Jansen. Which also probably, yeah, means anal. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. I almost apologized to my mom. I was like, well, I know she's not listening, but yeah, sorry for the two anal jokes at this point. But it is, it is, it makes me so sad that this is like the love of her life. What is it about us that sometimes the love of our lives are completely toxic people for us? And that's the thing. You're like, just get away from this guy. You know what? He might be a fine guy in his normal life, but there's like just a slew of instances in this season and before of things that just don't work with you guys. I mean, she's like, I don't get along with his daughter. I don't. I don't. He called me a fat pig. You know, well, that's actually the other ladies say. And then Shannon's like, he never called me a pig, which I was like, oh, he just called you fat. <laughs> like, I just, it just breaks your heart. And, uh, they're still hanging out. They're still hanging out. Obviously, she was coming from his house the night where she crashed into the house. And uh, then we've seen the paparazzi photos that he's been with her on some of these, you know, back and forth that the paparazzi have, have been around since this accident. Every time Shannon, though, then yells back at Gina or yells at another lady, I always just want to insert the footage of the car bouncing into the house. Like, it's just so sad. And it's darkly comic. Thank God nobody got hurt. So there is a little bit of dark comedy in it. Cause if she did it hurt somebody, there's just, it's just horrible. I mean, it's, it's still horrible, but you guys know what I'm saying, but it it is wild that they even had to continually put up during the hour. Like if you were, if somebody, you know, is having problems with alcohol, you can call 1-800 and, you know, giving this full thing. And I just thought, what a bizarre world that we live in, that we're watching this, this lady 10 days before. And if you watch this, you can truly see, I mean, we're, we do read into these things because we know future information. You see a lady that not as at the end of her rope, but it doesn't shock you that 10 days later this happened. And there are even lines in this where Emily Simpson is just like, I love a breathalyzer. We should all have one on your phone. It would be great in regards to Shannon and her drinking. And Gina going, come on, Shannon. You don't think a little bit with the drinking. You don't get it just a little bit. And Shannon's like, I don't. I don't think that is any of your business. I do not share that with you guys. 
And it's just wild because all of this stuff is being said. And then we know what happens 10 days later. And I just don't know how much information, a lot of us do this in our own lives too, is we'll be presented with so much information that we, and we know deep down, like we have certain problems or certain things. You know, my thing is the ice cream calls to me, you know, it's like, Ryan, come meet me. And I know that's a problem, but then it's like, Ryan, I love you. I know that's an issue, but I can't get past it. Right. I can't fight that for some reason. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm powerless. And I think in a way it's, it feels like that with Shannon. It's like how much information can be given to somebody before they actually do something about it. And that's why I'm really hopeful that outpatient rehab is going to be the thing. But I think the power of denial is so intense in a lot of us. And it seems to be that's a certain issue with Shannon. So we have these issues, alcohol, John Jansen, confidence, her daughter's going away to college, all of these things, they just don't add up to something great on top of being in a really intense show that is based around women, their relationships and fighting sometimes. You know, if you, if the show is doing what it should do, you are having conflict and to be in constant conflict and then to also enter that Bravo ecosystem where like Tamara, you're collecting information on ladies. You're trying to figure your way out to the new season. Who's going to get under the bus? Who's going to drive on? Like, you know, we know Tamara's going to drive the bus, but who's going to be under the bus? Who are we throwing under this, this time? And I can already picture if Shannon comes back, which I'm sure she will, is that, well, oh my God, are we just going to have a season of people uh, saying behind Shannon's back that Shannon's got a problem? You know, you can already write those scenes, you know, of Gina like, well, we told her she had a problem and then she decided to do outpatient and then she did the Trace Amigas tour and we saw, saw her at BravoCon. She was hammered. Like I get scared for Shannon's future because I root for her. Make no mistake. Now, Tamara, once again in this, Tamara's big kind of reunion part this time is, is, is ba- like, there's a fight about did Heather DeBro call all these ladies losers at BravoCon and say like, see, this is what I've got to work with. And listen, I have imagined that Tamara's called all these ladies losers. I imagine that Heather probably did call all these ladies losers. And at a time, like, I mean, you, <laughs> I'm sure each one of these ladies has called every one of these other ladies losers. I think, yeah, of course. And also, if I was Heather DeBro and I had the season that I had where everybody literally was trying to get me under that bus, I would think, what a bunch of losers. It would, you know, you can see that it really did throw Heather. But Heather's funny because Heather has her own peccadillos, her own little interest, interesting um, things about herself that she can't seem to get over. She always wants to bring it back to Heather. Like she even keeps leaning over to Andy. She'll be like, Did I, I kind of wondered, would I get apology from Shannon Bedore? I guess the answer is no. And I'm like, we weren't wondering that Heather. We're, we're actually on Shannon and John Jansen. I'm not, this doesn't revolve around you at this point, even though you were heavily um, maligned this season, especially by Tamara. I will say this till I'm blue in the face. Tamara has some kind of magic witchcraft that she is able. In fact, she tells Andy Cohen to shut up at one point during the reunion. And you could tell Andy was a little titillated. You tell his nipples got a little hard, like, woo. But at the same time, I wonder if Andy's just like, listen, lady, I brought you back. I can get you right out of here, right? You know, as quick as you got back in, I'll get you right back out. But the Tamara experiment proved to be successful. 
She did fine. There's no reason to really change this cast at all. I mean, you could make certain arguments for Gina and Emily, but I think at this point, you've got to stay like, this is interesting. We've got, you know, you've set this foundation and especially with what happened and is happening to Shannon in the off season, you got a strong place to start this next season. So everything that needed to happen this season, as painful as it was, is right. The other funny thing about this is that you start to realize these ladies who have all now been here for a minute, multiple seasons, they all think they know how it works. Because Shannon will be like, you don't understand. I, like Shannon still thinks she knows how to play the game, but still doesn't know the game. It gets pointed out many times. Why are you, if you're upset about this information, why are you telling us? You are telling us off camera and our job is to bring it up on camera. Our job is to do that. Stop telling us. My secret suspicion is she's just shit canned wasted when she's telling these ladies all the personal information. So that's my theory. But Shannon will be all, always be like, you know, she, she goes. My yeah, job is to yeah, make Shannon Storm's Bador. I mean, what, uh, what an admission of. I am a performer. When I slap on these spanks and stage makeup, you're seeing Shannon Storm's Bador, baby, the old razzle-dazzle. I'm not meek and mild Shannon Bador. I'm Shannon Storm's Bador. You know, she really thinks of herself as a performer. And all these ladies also now think of themselves as producers. Heather's talking off camera so she can like potentially get it on camera. Tamara's poisoning all of these wells over here. They all think of themselves as producers. And I truly would love an honest conversation with Evolution Media and the producers going, you know, I just have this sneaking suspicion that they'd all be like, yeah, they all think they uh, produce and run the show. It's hysterical to watch. It is really funny to watch because you get that sense that especially I, I keep thinking this thought too. There is a day when I think Tamara potentially, I don't know, ages out of this in some fashion. I was having this argument with myself on the treadmill was I was like, would I, could you see a world in which Tamara produced maybe Orange County or another housewife show? She does seem to intrinsically know how to start drama, where to point suspicion how to get people to forgive each other. I mean, Tamara's one of the people that will throw people under the bus and then apologize in the same night. Oh, I don't want you to be mad at me. Oh, fiddlesticks. You know, we really don't have like really deep personal storylines with Tamara. But I was wondering, could you use that producer brain and actually make her a producer? It's just something that I keep thinking about. Um, unfortunately, Shannon just had a really tough reunion. It did not go her way. But uh, I'm interested to see Jen next season. I'm interested to see how she grows. Uh, I'm interested to see how much they use Vicki Gunvalson, if at all. I'm curious to see if Gina remains on the show. I'm curious if she does to see Gina and Shannon's relationship. I'm obviously curious. I think the linchpin here is Shannon and what happens. And I just get really scared that she's not going to be able to have the strength to really make the changes that she does. And then if she does make those changes, how supportive are people like Tamara? Tamara will tell you that she's supportive and loves you and you're her friend and best friend and all of this stuff. She says that so easily, but I truly wonder what the reality of that is. And if Shannon Bedore does stop drinking and she becomes not fun Shannon, not party Shannon, will that be acceptable for the show in Tamara's eyes? Will that be kind of pushed in different directions? That might sound like a horrible thought, but have you seen Tamara on these shows? It's what she's good at. Also, 
Tamara got offended at Heather Dubrow in this reunion because she was like, listen, Heather, you did an interview on a podcast, which by the way, Tamara, if you're listening, hi, great job this season. Um, you know, you said on a podcast, they asked who is the one person that you would like back. And you say Alexis Bellino all the time, Alexis Bellino. And then you said, I always say her cause there's no way they'll bring her back. But she seemed genuinely hurt. She started getting teary. And it was like my, it was the one moment where I saw Tamara have this kind of weakness because at the end of the day, you realize how badly she wants on this show, how badly she wanted to stay on this show, how much she was hurt to get off this show, how desperate she was to get back on this show. It seems like it consumed her. She was, she was listening to everything. She was DMing with Instagram people. You know, she was DMing with fellow creators, like getting information, telling information, talking shit, all of this stuff because she was so hurt and wanting to be back on the show. But listen, she got what she wanted, but it's kind of a weakness to admit that of how much she truly, truly needs this. You know what I'm saying? Like it kind of wigged me out a little bit, realizing it was a full-time job for her to get back in this position. All of these pieces had to line up. I mean, she was even able to convince Andy that her uh, Twats podcast, the one with, um, who's the girl, the friend of that used to be on the Beverly Hills, her dad's Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Freddie Mellencamp. That's the one. Um, <laughs> she convinced, she convinced Andy that it wasn't, it wasn't really a Bravo recap podcast. It was like, it wasn't really that. And it was like, wait, what are you talking about? I think Tamara's just one of the best people that'll tell you what you want to hear in the moment. She'll then talk mad shit. You'll call her on it. She'll completely apologize. Then she'll throw you on the bus uh, under the bus again. And then she'll tell you, she didn't actually say what you have audio or video evidence that she said. And we all buy into it. It's really, it truly is amazing. And it's comforting in a way because it means that we do want people, like we do believe in the good in people. Like if somebody tells us something, most of us don't automatically think they're lying. <laughs> That's where the bad boy of podcasting is different. I assume everybody's lying, but it's really, it's an interesting case study. So good job to Real Housewives of Orange County. We made it through another season. What did you guys think? I thought that second part of the reunion, truly, truly exciting. Um, also, Heather DeBrow said she is getting a brand new better house in Beverly Hills, which I'm like, how is that even possible? Because I don't think Beverly Hills is going to have the views that your last house did. And I just, you know, you got the 55 million for that house. Maybe let's save that. Like maybe just get like a, you know, like a nice $4,000 a month apartment, you know, just chill, chill. What, who needs the big houses? Chill. I love, I always, I, I've said this so much. I hear $55 million and everybody's like, oh my God. But I, I was like, oh my God at first. And then I'm like 55. I mean, that's not a lot. Like I have two sticks to rub. I don't even have two sticks to rub together barely. And I'm like 55. That's nothing, man. <laughs> like 55. That's chump change. <laughs> but I'm scared. I'm like, I don't want them to go broke. They need to save that money. So uh, yeah, Real Houses of Orange County. Great job. Uh, another show that is doing truly amazing, this is quite a segue, is Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yeah, baby, Salt Lake City. Oh, also I watched today's Kardashian episode. This Kris Jenner needs to get off Tristan Thompson's jock. Hey, Chris, if you think Tristan Thompson's such a good guy, why don't you date him? The propaganda for him and Corey Gamble needs to stop. 
This should not be big. One big commercial about how good of a guy these are because they're just not. I'm sorry. Is it worth all this money to like do these little storylines where they're so great when we like literally have seen them be dorks, mainly Tristan Thompson? Like it is hysterical. I'll be doing a recap of that over on the Patreon. I did one on the main feed this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it, but it is such a fun show to talk about. So join over on the Patreon. I'll be doing this week's episode this weekend. Uh, but man, I was watching that today and I was like, oh, Chris, Chris needs to stop. Just like Meredith Marks. If I want to go for the jugular and talk about the sh- the rumors and nastiness about her, I'm going to do that. Do you I know think- what? You want me to go there with her husband? I can go there. Don't. <laughs> with me. Okay, tell her to <laughs> My job is to be Shannon Storms the door. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS weird Lord of the Fly style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. <laughs> you ain't talking about husband? We talking about husband. But you <laughs> it's like the female version of how ha- like happy Gilmore. <laughs> and then you go over to the intensity of a Shannon Bedore. These ladies, they are Shakespearean actors. Like this is Shakespeare in love. Uh, you know, William Shakespeare, if you were alive today, to be like, thou doth lovest these women with the uh, brightest colors, you know, and uh, the snow and Meredith Marks, the Vilmas and the lies. I am so impressed with Meredith every episode. The amount of looseness and intensity and the stares, you know, as Whitney pointed out, the one eye Meredith Marks. You want to talk about your husband? And then you move on over to Lisa Barlow, who is having a fabulous season. Of just being Lisa Barlow. This lady should be studied because she is so Lisa Barlow that is just amazing. She loves herself so deeply. She gets very offended about things that don't happen for her. She makes a lot of things about herself, but I'm not saying that in a bad way. I truly love like, what's going on? I'm Lisa Barlow. I look amazing. I just eat Kit Kats and Taco Bell. My poops are destructive. I love my life. 
I love the Diet Coke of it all. I mean, like a like a so, true soul sister for me and how I imagine we would like could have a Diet Coke drinking competition and she could beat me. And I love people that love themselves and don't apologize for it. I could never do that because, you know, and some people would consider that gauche. But for me, I kind of love it. Like, I need glam in Palm Springs. I don't want to do drag. How dare you? You guys know I'm very chill. So you have these extreme characters. And I thought it was going to fall off the rails because it was falling off the rails with Jen Shaw there. But these ladies turned it all around. And now you have these extreme characters that are being like kind of highlighted in this amazing way. You know, you have the Lisa, the Meredith. Now you Whitney, I want Whitney to really like Whitney is playing this kind of silent game because of her like, you know, meek voice of like, I I am pulling the strings. I am a puppet master behind the scenes. I'm like Billy the puppet in the Saw movies. Do you want to play a game? You know, you have that. And then you have Mary Cosby. Mary Cosby, of course, was on Watch What Happens Live this week with Z-Way. And it was one of the most awkward half hours of my life. I wanted to see Mary Cosby in a scene with Michael Scott from The Office. Like, wouldn't you love to just like, then I was. And the thing is, Mary Cosby and, and you know, uh, my friend Marissa, who always like, you know, truly dislikes Mary Cosby you know, it says, you know, really kind of a horrible person, the things, you know, a possible potential cult leader, you know, and there are things to prove, you know, to back this stuff up. But I think the only thing I can say is that that information is out there and we've kind of known aspects of this since the first season. And if we don't highlight those things, you know, if she's just coming in to make fun of people's looks and what they eat and say that she's getting bad customer service and do scenes with fish fillets. I don't know. There's part of me that's okay with that because it's, she's kind of this weird untouchable figure that gets to put down these ladies and kind of kick them off their high horse. And the thing is, she's not even a reliable narrator herself. So it's funny to watch somebody that has no place in telling any of these ladies anything and they have to sit there and take it. There is something insanely funny about that. But what I said from the beginning stands, this is like a David Lynch movie. This is a fever dream. This is an acid trip that you actually enjoy because you're like, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. And then you have Angie Kay. Did, well, this is interesting. I found out this week. Did you know? Angie K is Greek. Fun fact. <laughs> I did some research. She's from Greece. Um, she's interesting because she wants this so badly. And I don't mean in like a Tamra way. She just wants this so badly. Like she paid for Jen Shaw a lot last season. We saw, we saw her like, you know, she really wants this. This means something to her to be on the show. And we saw her just throwing herself into everything this season. She wasn't invited to the Trixie motel, still showed up, made her own t-shirt. And I thought the awkwardness of putting yourself so out there was kind of like fun to watch in this it's not working kind of way. But what's amazing about these shows and reality shows in general, if you do push so hard and if you can get past that point of cringe, past that point of so bad it's good, you will stumble into endearing yourself to some of the audience. We start to have this weird conversation with ourselves where we're like, wait a sec, do we, do we like Angie? K wait, I can't, do we like Angie K? That's kind of cringe. Well, 
Those glasses fill up half her face. Well, it kind of looks cool. Like you start to have these conversations. You start to debate. You say, wow, this person is so cringe and putting themselves in so many cringy situations that you almost start to respect her. You almost start to go, well, shit, man, that's kind of brave, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of brave. Literally, they do the worst rumor ever about her husband. I don't mean the worst, like the rumor's bad about being gay. Everybody, like I love, like be gay all you want. But the bad part of the rumor is he's fucking other men and he's cheating on his wife, which seems to be the other horrible part of this to him, especially. But you're willing to put that out there on TV because at the same time, this is all happening, happening. You kind of get this impression that Angie's like, are you kidding me? You're telling me that I have an actual storyline that I've got a storyline. Yo, honey, I've got a storyline. What's it about? Well, they say you're fucking other men. Oh my God. No, but it's all mine. It's me. It's for me. I get us. It means I, I can stay on this cast. You sense this underbelly of like, I think I'm potentially fitting in. Meredith's making up a rumor. Like there's this kind of thing of like, okay, I'm earning my stripes. You know what do they always say? Like to a bully, you stand up to that bully and that like the bully will stop bullying you. And that's what I kind of feel like even sometimes with Bravo audiences. It's like, if you just keep going, if you just keep your head down and bully through and make some big moves and be a little cringy and be this and be that and pay for everything, you'll get through and the audience will slowly start to accept you. So I found that super interesting as well. Now, Heather Gay, besides her urine and vomit a couple episodes ago, has been a non um, a non issue in some ways. I mean, a really great moment with the urine. But I don't think she's playing it safe. I just don't really I can't get a read on her. I mean, she's coming off a season of being so far up. I mean, she she really created a subdivision in Jen Shaw's asshole. And she's paying the price for that a little bit. And she's backed down away from that a little bit. But now it looks like at the end of this and what looks like next week's preview, she's going to really insert herself into Lisa Barlow's son going on his Mormon mission, since she, of course, wrote the book Bad Mormon. And I understand where she comes from in terms of the religion, but I read Bad Mormon, or I listened to Bad Mormon on audiobook and I liked it. But, you know, Heather, it took most of her life, and I'm talking even once she was on the Housewife show, to start to turn against her religion. And then she went full throttle and was able to use it in a book and revealed a lot of the church's secrets. But I do think that's gauche when you actually start to try to make a storyline about somebody else's son going on a mission just because you do not agree with the church. Guess what? A lot of people don't agree with a lot of churches. There's a lot of bad people out there. We see it every day. We've seen it. You know, we we see it. So I think that's a weird storyline to go for. And with Lisa Barlow, you got to watch out because you don't mess with two things with Lisa Barlow, her Diet Coke and her son. Like, you know, she's just don't. Also, when her son goes on his Mormon mission, which I think he's already there, who's going to, I said this on Jeff Lewis, who's going to run the Fresh Wolf Empire? I mean, they're going to let the little kid, the other little son do it? This guy's got to go to the, to school and he's running this Fresh Wolf men's grooming, uh, you know, empire. I mean, I thought it was the two sons. Like, I'm a Fresh Wolf man myself. Lisa, if you're listening, please, I need some uh, I need some Fresh Wolf and I need some Vita tequila. Do you want Vita tequila? So I just think it's kind of a weird storyline. 
And it worries me because I'm like, is that the storyline you really want, Heather, to revolve around kids? I love that we do this thing with housewives too, is that everything is don't talk about the kids, especially in Jersey. You do not talk about the kids. And then we always talk about the kids. It's the, it's the rule that we always say is a rule, but it's never a rule. In fact, the kids always get talked about. I don't even know why we say don't talk about the kids because we always talk about the kids. It's ridiculous. It's meta and it's inception. And it just confuses me so much because it's that rule that we never follow. And then we get offended that people never follow it, but we never learn from that. It kind of drives you insane. So I don't foresee that going well for Heather Gay. Uh, I'm curious. They're not doing a Salt Lake City panel because they haven't filmed the reunion yet and they don't want it to kind of ruin things. And I think that's a huge mistake. Like I want BravoCon to ruin things. Listen, we got a lot of BravoCon fighting in the OC reunion and I think that worked out. Anyways, also I want to give a special uh, thank you to Liliana Guerrero, who's in my Facebook group. This So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey Facebook group. Um, she took the notes on this because Laura Beth Harp had to, couldn't do it this week. And I was so sad that she couldn't, but Liliana stepped in and she killed it for her first time. So Liliana, thank you so much for doing this. It really helped. I still watched the episode three times and took a bunch of other notes, but it's really nice to have that basis to go from because these are little plays. This is, these are little, little, little full plays. You know, I'm going to take my Salt Lake City recaps off Broadway this week. Wouldn't that be great? Would you guys buy tickets if I just did a two hour... Season four, episode six on Broadway. So this episode is called episode six, Après Rumors, Après Rumors. And uh, sorry, let me get, I'm up on the wrong screen. I got two minute screens because I'm disorganized. So the cable company, this is the description they give us to let us know if we're going to be interested. And it says, the rumor, the rumor, rumor, Après Rumors. The rumor about Angie's marriage has a ripple effect. Meredith finds comfort in her family. That's not a great show description. Like, I need more. I, I need Mary insults a service, a food service worker. I need, you know, Whitney tries to, you know, really nail down that Meredith is the one that said these rumors. Is Sean fucking half the men on the streets of Salt Lake? These are the things that would actually get a new viewer interested. If you saw that on a cable description, like, is this man railroading through half of the the mean streets of Salt Lake? You'd be like, what's this about? Like, let's turn this on. Um, also, I keep meaning to have my sister on because it was wild. She... I was talking to her a little bit more this weekend when I was over there for dinner and she was saying she did watch the first couple of episodes and she had to stop because she was like, this is bad for me. Cause at first, and she was so distracted by these women's looks, like all the facial work. And she's like, but then by the third episode, I was like, wow, that's beautiful. Like it like started like, should I get that done? But she was just like, this is insane. But she's like, it's addictive. And I was like, yes. Welcome to So Bad It's Good, Kara. That this is it exactly. You you nailed it. Oh my God, Kara texted me today and was like, Oh my God, my friend texted me and said you were on this show, Jeff Lewis Live. And I thought I was like, that's so my sister and sent me a picture of me on Jeff Lewis Live. And I was like, Yeah, man, that's that's me. I I, I that's why I had to come back early. I, I I you know. So I was I was very excited that one of her friends told her. So we start off as we always do with seeing scenes from previous week's episode. And we find out the storylines of this season where Lisa's like, Jack is going on a Mormon missionary for our church. 
And then Whitney's going, have you told Heather Lisa about Jack going on the church? And then we have a scene where Heather is talking about her mission, her Mormon mission, where it's like, yeah, you're basically a door-to-door sell- salesman selling the church. That's all it is. And then we see a thin line of urine uh, through her legs, if you look. <laughs> then we have a scene of Monica where Monica's talking to her mom, where she's like, mom, I need help with the kids. And the mom's like, okay, but uh, you know, only count me for like two hours. That's all I can do. And then we uh, go to Meredith doing what she does best going, all these rumors. I've heard all these rumors about Angie K. There's so many rumors that I've heard. Uh, like when Meredith's conspiratorial, like you didn't hear from me, but I heard um, that I heard from a friend that this guy, he likes to fuck trees. Yeah. In the woods. Yeah. He just puts, he puts his penis in a bunch of wood, the trees. Yeah. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I'm Meredith Marks. <laughs> Uh, and then we go to last week's episode where Monica sits Angie K down with Whitney when it's like, do you not the rumor Angie K? And Monica's like, oh, here's the deal. I'm going to tell you what the rumor is. Everybody is saying that Sean likes to fuck other men. And Angie, you know, slowly realizing that she finally has a storyline. It's like Thanos with all those little bedazzled jewelries that makes the glove in that Marvel movie that gives him all the power. Angie's like, oh, my Greek honor. It has come to me. A storyline. Angie's like, are you fucking kidding me? Meredith is a sick bitch. Thank you, Meredith, for giving me a storyline. And then she's like, hey, Meredith. Do you have a second? And that's where this show opens. And we hear the choir like, oh, 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 oh. You know, the, the Salt Lake music. Oh, 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 oh. And we're back at Lisa Barlow's ski apri party without the ski. And Angie, um, Angie was just told the rumors. And she goes up like, hey, Meredith, you have a second? And Meredith's like, sure. Yeah, sure. Of course I do. And she's like, okay, great. Let's go over on here where it's quiet. And they go on the sofa to sit down. And Angie's like, well, it sounds like you're out here spreading rumors about my marriage and my husband. I obviously don't need to go into detail because you know what it's about. And Meredith, just all in white, like a little little demonic angel. And Meredith's like, I do not know what you're talking about. Um, there are rumors, but I am not spreading them. I like the marriage like, oh, girl, there are definitely rumors. You hear that thing about him fucking the trees? Woo! There are rumors, but I'm not spreading them. And Angie goes, you are the one spreading them. Great banter. <laughs> I'm not. You are. I have been told by the girls, Meredith, that you are saying things about my husband and other men. And Meredith, you know what? And Meredith goes, I'm not talking about your husband. And then Monica goes to sit down besides Meredith. And Meredith and Monica, she has like a sugar rock candy stick. She's kind of like me when I watch these shows, just feasting away, like watching like just a, a zombie. And Monica's just like licking this candy stick. Like she's watching, she's actually watching TV. And, uh, Meredith's like, first of all, I have not talked to Whitney. And then she looks at Whitney, who's sitting directly besides Angie. And I'm like, like, first of all, I would never talk to Whitney. She's a goofball. You know, what are you talking about? What am I saying? And Whitney goes, you did. You said that. And Meredith goes, oh, here we go. Here we go. Monica's still sucking on the sugar rock candy stick. And Whitney's like, 
you said in the airport that you heard rumors about her husband. What are you talking about, Winnie? In the airport. What are you talking about? The airport where the things fly into and out of. Where I know where an airport is. What do you mean? And then Meredith's like, maybe I said, maybe, okay, just maybe, I said that I heard rumors about her husband. Well, that's all I said. <laughs> that's all I said. I love that. Okay, yeah, I did, but I just, I said, I might heard rumors. Like maybe, you know, he wears white after Labor Day. <laughs> men, I just wouldn't men. Angie goes, you've gone after every marriage in the group. Meanwhile, you're the only one that's out there spreading their legs outside of their marriage. And we get a shot of just Meredith taking it all in. And you can just, you see her like inwardly short-circuiting. She's like, you know, flashes of like fucking half of New York as other people have said. And Angie's like, I've been with my husband for 30 years. Meredith disengages in her mind, but I will give credit to Meredith and the producers must've really like, must've started finding her like the NBA when somebody gets hit is that they must've said, Hey Meredith, if you, say you disengage and you just walk out of a scene, we're not going to pay you for the episode. So Meredith now is doing this thing where she kind of disengages in her mind, but she still remains in the scene. So she'll like get up and she'll be like, no, no I don't know. She'll like kind of just say a little mumbly thing, but she'll stay there, which is like baby steps. And Angie's like, oh, okay, run away, Meredith, which Andy K kind of just hit pretty hard about spreading your legs. Like you're a whore in your marriage. <laughs> What are you talking about? It's me, Seth Marks. I'm in Canton, Ohio, but how dare you? The honor of my beautiful wife, Meredith. She doesn't even spread her legs for me. So how dare you say that about my beautiful wife? And Meredith's like, I don't talk to people. I don't do that. And she's pointing her finger and Angie's like, don't point your finger. And then Meredith, just like a, a, you know, she's just like a slurring, avenging angel all in white. She's like, don't speak to me with respect. You don't speak to me with not respect. You learn how to speak to me with respect. She's all in white. She's so powerful right now. And Angie's like, was that respectful, Meredith? The rumor? And Meredith's like, I have never spoken to you with disrespect. Learn how to speak to me with respect. And then she kind of like flurries away like this, like, like a beautiful snowstorm. There's like lots of hand mo- movements and pointing. These ladies are really pointing a lot. And it, pointing seems to be one of the big no-nos when you fight with other women, with other women. They're always like, don't you put on below deck med this week? They'd be like, don't, don't do that with your hands. Like it, what is it like when women see other women using hands and, and like just pointing and stuff like, is that just a trigger button? Like, do not use your, do not point at me. Don't do jazz hands. Do not do jazz hands at me. Hey. So now we're like in this kind of weeds of disrespect and you speak with me respect. I never speak with you with disrespect. And uh, then Angie K goes to the other girls. She's like, you know what? That's, there's no results when she just runs away. I'm Greek. Then Meredith goes on over to sit down with Lisa Barlow, who had no idea this was going on. Lisa Barlow is just monologuing to Mary, I guess. And Meredith sits down and like kind of just in their conversation all of a sudden. And you tell Meredith is just like, uh, 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 just like, just, oh, shit, what's going on? And Mary Cosby is like rubbing her temples because I guess Lisa Barlow has been talking to her. And Lisa's like, 
Oh my God, you guys, I'm so glad we got together today. And Meredith is coldly shaking her head. Like she's about to shit herself. She's like, ah, ah, ah. okay. Like make, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. Make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. And Lisa's like, I'm so glad these people are making amazing flatbreads. Tin roof rusted. There's a pause. And Meredith shakes her head again, just keeps shaking her head. Now, Angie, though, follows Meredith over to this and sits down near her seat. And then Whitney's like, oh, no, I'm going to need a voov, a voov clicko to drink. Going to need a voov. Angie goes, hey, hey, Meredith, don't turn your back on me. I'm Greek. If you're spreading rumors about my marriage, you're going to look me in the eyes and address it. Then Heather comes over to Whitney in her silver popcorn, like big, you know, Michelin outfit. And she's like, what's going on? And Whitney's like, it's bad. It's not good. Angie looks at Lisa and goes, did you like it when she spread rumors about you get given blowjobs for jazz tickets? And like a bolt. I remembered again. I was like, remember that rumor last season that went nowhere? It was completely bizarre. We never really got heads or tails of this. And I tell you, like, let's just be honest. Meredith does spread these some really intense rumors. It's her thing. It's her housewife specialty. She can deny it all she wants. I love Meredith. I love Meredith to death, but she does do this. She does do this. And she's a little sloppy with it. They've all put it together. But Meredith just keeps deny, deny, deny. That's kind of the order of the day. Um... I do think we need one episode every season like we did with that one Beverly Hills with the lie detector test and Lisa Vanderpump. We just need one every season. We we just bring a lie detector, just a straight lie detector episode. The ladies don't even need to know the results of the other ladies, but just for the audience. I just, I would love it. It would just be a fun, flirty little thing to do. So Andy's like, yeah, remember the blowjob for the jazz tickets? And we get a flashback to Whitney and lingerie when they're on that trip last year. And it's like, you told me that Meredith, that she does sexual favors. She, you told me. And you know, Meredith's like, I didn't show you anything. Really? And Angie Kay's making intense eye contact with Meredith. Meredith gets up to leave again. And she's like, I do not make up rumors. I do not make up rumors. And her voice is just so great. You know, like, because she doesn't do the flirting I do. Like, that's when she's super relaxed. But she is kind of like, I don't make up rumors. She's elongating now. It's really fun. Meredith and Angie are just pointing at each other all up in each other's faces. And Meredith's like, don't touch me. And Angie's like, don't touch me. Don't run away, Meredith. But Meredith kind of runs away in her white cape while screaming, learn how to speak with respect. Learn it. Learn it and live it, baby. And Angie K keeps yelling, stop spreading lies. I'm Greek. Stop spreading your legs outside of marriage, honey. And Meredith keeps yelling, that's you. That's you and not me. I didn't spread anything. Ask Jack Marks. <laughs> She's like, you, 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 Jack, you can leave. You can leave. You got to respect people. So they're just saying spread lies back and forth. It's, it's truly very exciting. Also, watch the background people because this is Lisa's party where no real friends seem to be except for the cast members. There's like one real friend, Kathy, that Meredith brings up here in a second. But other than that, it seems to be the core group of these people are just the cast. And I always love parties where it looks like extras have been hired because I secretly want myself to get hired for one of these scenes where you just see me going, 
no shit. Like, you know, I have like a rock candy right next to Monica just licking. And I'm just like, oh my God, Meredith, the, you spread your legs? Are you kidding me? Monica whispers in Heather's ear. She's like, she said that Angie's husband is fucking men. And Heather's like, oh, okay, 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 okay. I got it. Okay, okay. And Lisa, who also has no idea what's going on, yells across the room. And she's like, what is it? What just happened? Lisa in a confession was like, when Meredith told me there were rumors about Angie's husband, I was hoping it was just a drunken comment. I just can't believe she's doing the same thing again. And then we, of course, flashback to our, we're going to see this scene and hear this scene until the end of time. And I'm okay with it, but we flash back to the. If I want to go for the jugular and talk about the the rumors and nastiness about her. I can do that. You know what? You want me to go there with her husband? I can go there. Don't. With me. Okay, tell her to. (laughs) It's not just the viewers. It's that you can tell. It's that drunk person that's trying to hang on through an impassioned monologue where they realize they're super drunk and they're like, the viewers? And then, you know, in Meredith's head going, did I just say rumors? Like, I'm really shitty. I got to get this back on point. You want to talk about husband? It's not you. Cause the normal thing is you want to talk about the husband, but she's like skipping over words. Cause she's tipsy. You want to talk about. Husband? husband? <laughs> it's like, how many times do you think they will play that clip this season? I, I think we've got at least 10 more times. We will see that on the actual show. And I, I'm going to love it every, every time. So Lisa's like, Oh my God, I was really hoping it was just a drunken conflict and not something, you know, that like she was acting or spreading. I just can't believe Meredith's doing the same thing again. And then Lisa says to Monica, what happened? I want to hear it from you. Um, so Lisa asks like, you know, Meredith, is just kind of walking away and Meredith's like, you guys, I'm so done with them. I am done with all these ladies. I'm just done. And then finally, Monica tells Lisa and Mary what the rumors are. And Mary just looks unamused. Mary's just like, yeah, like, no fucks other men. All right. And Mary in a confessional is like, I can't believe I wasted an outfit on this event. Like, where's the food? What are we eating? <laughs> yeah, like, what are we eating? I could hear things about grab ass all day. <laughs> you t- dicks on dicks. I don't care. Where's my flatbread pizza? <laughs> so Lisa goes, I've never heard that in my life. And Monica in the confessional is like, everyone wants to pretend like they haven't heard it. Lisa goes, on my kids, on my kids, on my kids. I have never heard it in my life. And Monica goes, but all of these women have heard about this. They've all talked about this or have spread this. You know, it's like fake shit. That's some Utah shit. And when he's like, Heather, have you heard this? And Heather's like, yeah, I haven't heard about this. I love Whitney. He's like, I swear to God, I have never heard this. Wink. And Heather's like, people in Salt Lake always say things about male hairdressers. Heather in a confessional goes, this is Utah. I've been to family reunions. And if a guy's wearing a cardigan, they think he's gay. And as soon as she married a guy that had tapered pants and custom made suits, 
the rumors start flying. The rumors start flying. I will say this, like that does make a little bit of sense, but also move, <laughs> like move. Don't be in a place where people are shitty like that. Back at least, I mean, I love the, man, you think of like the, the mean streets of Salt Lake. It just, it's, it's really seems like a bad area potentially. So Mary's like, Lisa, there's no food. And Lisa's like, of course there's food. There's lots of food. Emily, I don't know who that is. Emily, will you have them make her some fresh flatbread? And Mary's like, can I have it to go? Perfect. And Lisa's like, you have to make her some flash fret, but fla- fresh flatbread. And Monica goes to Mary. Monica's like, a fresh pizza is what we need right now. And Mary just kind of stares at her like, Ugh. And Mary's like, you can order your own. And just blank stares at Monica. <laughs> Meanwhile, Meredith now, we get introduced to her friend, Kathy. Kathy's in like this pink cardigan, like fuzzy cardigan thing. And it's just funny because they're like Meredith's friend, Kathy. And Kathy's just there. And I'm like, is this Meredith's real friend? Because it's like just funny. She just pops out of nowhere. And Meredith's like, oh, Kathy. Uh, Kathy, what's going on? Hey, Kathy, I have a great marriage. I mean, she should worry about her marriage. And Kathy's like, oh, my God. This lady just came up to me and started talking. We cut back to Mary complaining to the guy making her flatbread. She's like, where's my box for my flatbread? How long is it going to take this guy? And guy's like, well, we don't have a pizza box, unfortunately. Mary puts the pizza in a smaller to-go box. And Mary's like, you couldn't have put it in the box yourself? <laughs> Customer service? And the guy's like, I just didn't want to touch it with my hands. And Mary's like, oh. And then she goes, you're lazy. <laughs> Dude. I mean, Mary. I mean, Mary is horrible. Mary's horrible. Mary's horrible. There. We all said it. Mary's horrible. Did I get a laugh? Did I hope this guy went home and got paid a little extra for getting snarked at by Mary? Of course. Did I laugh at it still? Of course. I'm a bad person. I'm sorry. Angie, once again now, tries to go up to Meredith because she's like, we just had some amazing scene work. I'm, I'm, I need more scenes. And Angie's like, I'm sorry for you that you're so miserable, Meredith. And Mary's like, I'm sorry for you, honey. Poor Kathy is just looking there like, I'm Kathy. What's going on? I've got a pink little, I got a snazzy pink number on right now. I'm Kathy. Everyone is starting to leave this party. And Monica's like, good Lord, girl. Oh my God. And Lisa's like, this is crazy. And Meredith goes up to Lisa and goes, there is something wrong with her, Nisha. There is something wrong with Angie K. Kathy, once again, we see her just standing there. Kathy's just standing there and she's like, you know, she had a weird thing with me and I don't know what it is. Uh, Lisa, it's not my problem. And I'm just not interested. And Lisa once again goes, it's crazy. And Meredith kind of disengages internally, but you know, is there still with Kathy. I'm Kathy. Lisa in a confessional goes, I know now what's going on. I need to figure out how we move forward from this as friends. I can't believe that Meredith is playing victim right now. Like the real victim in this situation is Angie and me. It's my party. (laughs) I love where she's like, you know, Angie victim. Also me. I'm a victim. Lisa Barlow. I love it. And Lisa's like, okay, guys, thanks. Be safe. Thank- and then I swear to God, Lisa says this. Lisa goes, thanks for being Kathy. She could have said thanks for bringing Kathy, but I choose in my head to think she said thanks for being Kathy. Like, 
thanks for always being there, Kathy. And I was like, I need a new show just about this lady, Kathy, that just has always been in the background at Salt Lake parties. We've just never seen her. I'm like, Kathy, you've been there from the beginning. Remember when Heather got the sec- the black eye that morning? It was because Kathy was roughhousing with Heather Gay. She, They weren't scissoring. It just Kathy had her in a headlock and just started bashing her eye. That's classic Kathy. Ha <laughs> ha. Cut to the next day. We're at Angie's huge, scary white box house. I like Angie, like saw Kim and Kanye's creepy haunted mansion that they, you know, lived in. And Angie's like, I think I can do one better. So they live in kind of this austere white box house. Angie's in bed wearing a peach robe, hair, makeup done, as you do when you're relaxing. And Sean brings Angie coffee in bed. And she's like, oh my God, I'm Greek. Thank you for the coffee. And we see photos of them on like, you know, certain areas of the house. They're like a young hip couple over the years. Angie in a talking head goes, I was raised that family is number one. It is the ultimate. And my family is my whole world. And I am lost without Sean and Electra. And for somebody to question that could be really devastating for my family. And she's like, oh my God, Sean, you brought in coffee. That's so amazing because I didn't sleep well last night because I have a full storyline. I was so excited. And Sean's like, are you okay, babe? Are you okay? Here's your coffee. And Angie's like, so many crazy things, Sean, went on last night. I didn't want to say anything before bed because I was so wiped out. So I didn't want to say anything. I like Angie's version of this story. She gets in, which by the way, the party was during the day. So like we're at night now. So like you come home, you see Sean there and you're just like making your Greek dinner with a lot of Greek yogurt and, and cucumber, you know, the Greek stuff. And just looking at him thinking, Mary's going, he's uh, this guy fucks half his short leg on the guys. So do they, but you don't say anything to him because you're wiped out. And then the next day it's like, well, I've had my coffee. Guess what? Guess who said is getting in trouble in the bone zone. There's a dramatic pause, though, and she's like, I was a little shocked at things Meredith was saying. She was alluding to the fact that she could destroy our family and that you actually like men and you have been hooking up with men on the side. And Sean, she's like, he goes, I'm John Jansen. No, he goes, what a fucking idiot. What a fucking idiot. What a fucking idiot. What a fucking idiot. Like very manly. And really, truly, fucking idiot. I mean, honestly, what a, I mean, just a horrible, horrible thing to say, you know? And, you know, and if not, if it's not true, he says. So it's just horrendous. It really is horrendous, but just what a fucking idiot. And Angie talks about, she's like, we have been together for 30 years, you know? And it's like, this guy's a hairdresser. You automatically assume he's gay. And Sean's like, gay, straight, or whatever. It's the adultery thing that's bad. I know I don't have to explain this shit to you, Angie K. It's crazy. It's nuts. It's a smear campaign. And to what end is this woman willing to go? What did we do? I like that Meredith is now like an assassin. She's like, yeah, I'll hunt you down to the ends of the earth with rumors. I will hunt you down, Sean. And Angie's like, don't let this bother you, Sean. 
I stood up for our marriage and our family unit. Sean is crying. He's like, tears are flowing from his eyes. You know, like, I don't know why Angie didn't wake up and get Sean coffee at this point. And Angie goes, Sean, she's a miserable bitch. Don't let her get to you. And there's another awkward pause. And then Sean's like, Electra is going to hear about this. And it kills me to think that she wouldn't ever think that I would do anything like this. And Angie's like, she's not going to thank this baby. I've been working my ass off to be her hero. You are her hero, Sean. And the way you handle this is going to show her. She's going to admire you even more. First off, please don't let Angie, please don't watch Electra watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. We don't need, we don't need Electra to see this yet. We don't need Electra to hear about this yet. Like I do, please nobody let their kids watch real Oswald of Salt Lake city. It's not the demographic for these people. So it's like, I don't need Electra like watching her dad be a hero by combating these rumors by Meredith Marks. Imagine trying to explain to a young kid about Meredith Marks. Well, there's a woman. <laughs> She's like, how would you even, how do you uh, solve a problem like Meredith? How do you explain it to little kids? She's pulling things out of thin air, trying to make you look like a bozo and telling you you stick things in people's rear end. Like, it's wild. It's so frustrating. And uh, Angie's like, but you know, you are her hero. She's going to admire you even more. And Angie in the confessional goes, it's very dangerous to make accusations in a Greek community. <laughs> she goes, we are practicing Orthodox. We got married in the Greek Orthodox church 24 years ago. And infidelity is against our religion. Listen, religion, I need to brush up on it. Isn't infidelity potentially not good in any religion on top of just not being good. Like, Oh my God, you're in the religion where infidelity is like one of the sins. The other one says you can fuck whoever you want, whenever you want, no commitments. It's amazing. Like I think that's every religion. Angie K infidelity is against the Greek religion. We might have our problems, but being under attack, we are a united front. Also, now I'm picturing, is Sean going to have a scene with Meredith Marks and Seth Marks? Sean's like, I need to talk to you, Seth. Yeah, what's going on, buddy? I'm going to come in for a little trim, a little cut. If you could clean up the back, I'm thinking of maybe uh, starting a mullet. What do you think, Sean? <laughs> hey, don't get too handsy with me in the chair, Sean. I've heard some rumors. JK. I got to talk to you about your wife. She's an amazing woman. We like to take baths together and stick our little toes in each other's butts. Yeah. Heard you like to do that on the streets of Utah as well, bud. You shut up about that. <laughs> your wife's got a loose mouth. Hey, bud. Hey, I'm just joshing around. What's going on? What's got you down, bud? How are you in Electra? So, uh, Sean goes, if somebody attacks my character or family, she's not welcome in my home. I don't want to be around her at all. And Angie K like shakes her head. New scene, new scene. We're with Monica and, uh, oh my God, my sister just texted me again. My friend Janelle just sent me those from the show Ryan did so encouraging. And she sent a screenshot of people saying nice things about me on Jeff Lewis live. Oh, this is so nice. My sister genuinely is sending these things shocked. She's like, oh my God, somebody said a nice thing about you. <laughs> she seems truly surprised. 
<laughs> I love it. Okay, so Monica, Monica is the Gina in a sense from Real Houses of Orange County of the Salt Lake Group, just in the sense that eventually she might live in a casita before you know she gets a real estate license. No, I really like Monica. I like Monica better than I like Gina in the beginning of Orange County. I think Monica serves a purpose, but it is interesting. She really does have a boatload of kids. And we see in the scene where she's waking up early, four kids getting them up, you know, got the dog and she's singing rise and shine. And Bree 17 is there. You got the dog chap. You got Jaden 12. Monica's making the bacon. She can bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan. Monica in a confessional says as a single mom, my life consists of running my kids everywhere, four different schedules, four different schools. This one likes, by the way, this kind of reads like it's like a commercial for Adderall. You know, as a single mom, life consists of running kids everywhere. Four different schedules, four different schools. How do you do it? Supervised methamphetamine. She goes, this, this kid likes football. This one likes gymnastic. This one likes art. You know what I would like? Five hours of sleep. Monica cooks the bacon and the alarm goes off and the kid's like, mom, are you burning the house down again? We see West, who is six years old. We see Kendall, who is five years old. The kids just keep popping up. Monica's kid's name, Bree, Jaden, West, and Kendall. Uh, is, is, do you think Monica, Monica seems the age range where do you think she named Kendall out of a, after Kardashian Kendall? It's a possibility, right? So Monica in a confessional goes, my life was very different than my kids growing up because we moved around a lot because of my mom. My mom was always looking for something bigger and better. And we see pics of Monica as a teen. And sometimes that was at my expense. I think there's some resentment there. I've always been searching for stability because I never had that. The only thing I can count on with my mom is that there is nothing to count on with my mom. She's getting all the kids in the car. She founds a random pair of socks on the driveway. I know this is so basic, basic bitch, uh, bad boy of podcasting, but where do all the socks go? Like, I know it's a little pivot there, but like, honestly, and I know everybody's like, oh, we lose socks, but like, like, where are all the socks though? Like we joke about it, but it's like, okay, fine. But honestly, where are they? Like, where do they go? Who's stealing the socks? Like, is that like, I know there's like potentially Bigfoot and aliens. Like, did they take the socks? Where are the socks? And it's like, why do I in, like why invest in even good socks? Like I used to get these socks back in the day, like what were they called? Like stance, and they had like cool, fun designs on them and stuff. And like you know, like there were like biggie ones, and then there was like Star Wars socks. I know these socks, but then I would always lose one, like multiple pairs. And it's frustrating then because you can't pair a notorious Big sock with a Star Wars sock. <laughs> You'd come off crazy, and. uh, it, but where, where do the socks go? Maybe those were my socks on Monica's uh, driveway, but it just gets frustrating. Do you know what I'm saying? Because there's no answer. You think there'd be an answer and you just never can find the socks. And then we just have to accept that we've lost the socks. How do we go on with this kind of shit? Did you hear the rumors about the socks? The rumors? You want to talk about socks? Let me talk about socks. <laughs> Don't fuck with me. So Monica's telling us about her life and she goes, I know I'm not a perfect mom, but my kids will always be provided for. Monica's story is fascinating. I mean, really, she slept with her brother-in-law, right? Like had an affair, um, admitted, like she admits it, hung out with Jen Shaw a lot. And so she really was that kind of scrappy person trying to find the next thing, kind of a little, not thirsty, 
but wanting to hit that next level. Seeing these other ladies like Jen Shaw and going, could I obtain that? I got a family to feed. What is my skill? And it's interesting to think about that of her really wanting this. And it's different with Angie K because Angie K was already very successful, was paying for Jen Shaw to do a lot of things on this show. But Monica's not like that. She's the flip side of this. So, so she is, it's aspirational. You know, it's aspirational for her. So it's hard. I mean, because she's really in there still having to put in the work with the kids, having to deal with the real relationship with her mom, having to face the sins of her past, having to deal with religion. And then on top of it, dealing with the insanity of all of these women that are the fourth season on this show. And where does she fit in? I mean, she wore a wire for the love of God against Jen Shaw. I, you know, I got to tell you, I would love to interview Monica. Monica, if anybody tells you about this, I would love to interview you. Um, so the kids are in the the minivan and they're talking and Monica's like, you know, to West. And she's like, I was, I was saying the other day and it's crazy. And Monica's like, was that before or after you said the B word? West and West West was like, it's an accident. I was supposed to say boner. Boner isn't a bad word. And then the youngest kid in the baby seat literally pops out her pacifier and goes, boner is a bad word. Boner is a bad word. Like the pops out a pacifier to say that the, the little kid in the baby seat knows that boner is a bad word. And everyone in the car just shakes their head like boner. <laughs> Now we go to M. Vince Nail Salon, where Lisa and her son Jack enter the nail salon. The man at the forefront of the Fresh Wolf Empire needs to get his nails done. Jack has a cool outfit on with cool sunglasses. Lisa's doing what she does best, eating a Kit Kat while talking about prom. And, you know, she comes like, thank you. How is everybody in the nail salon? And uh, Lisa's like, oh, what's going on for prom, Jack? And Jack's like, I just asked a very beautiful young lady last night. And he's like, did she say yes? And he's like, yeah. Does she know you're going on a mission for two years? Lisa in a confessional goes, a lot of parents here blackmail and pay their kids to go on a mission. Go or you'll embarrass the family. And there's like social pressures in Utah. Jack has been raised non-orthodox, so I'm still like processing everything. The fact that I'm not going to have my son for two years is a lot for a mom. Every single second, I want to be the best second with him. Good thing he's big into men's grooming. It's a bonus. Hence, they're at a nail salon. But it is truly, truly wild. Do you remember last season when she was like, Jack, you've got to go to college. And Jack was like, fudge college, mom. Y you can yeah, fudge it, dude. Fudge it all the way. I'm not going to say the dirty word, but fudge college. And that was a pretty intense fight. She's like, oh my God, Jack, you're so intense right now. But it's wild because now we find out more about this, that Lisa's not really like Lisa didn't go on a mission. Lisa doesn't want to be in the temple. Lisa, all this. So it truly was a shock. It really blew her away. Did not see it coming. And I think that's so insane. And Lisa's like, in my friend group, everyone was shocked. Heather asked questions. Like, I couldn't get I couldn't get where she was going with your mission, Jack. It was crazy. And I was like, Heather, if you could pick, would you choose to go or not? Oh, no, sorry. Heather says to Lisa in a previous scene, if you could pick, would you choose to go or not or go or not? And Lisa's like, I'm sorry, Heather. We have to talk about this another day. It's not the time. 
Lisa in a confessional goes, it's none of her business. It's not like he's doing anything bad. I mean, he chose to serve a mission instead of like meth or teenage pregnancies. I like that those are the only two options. It's like Mormon mission, meth, or 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 knock, doing the old hippity-dippity till you have a baby. Those are the th- only three. You got three choices. And those are like, he's not doing meth and not wrapping it up like Tristan Thompson. I'm proud of him. It's a good choice. And Lisa goes, I feel like, you know, it's just interesting. Uh, you know, the are you prepared for this? Have you read the Book of Mormon, Jack? What did you think of it? And Jack was like, yeah, I mean, the Book of Mormon is very action-packed and they could turn it into a movie. And Lisa's like, that's interesting, Jack. I love, like, I love, it's like, I love John Grisham books, Jack, and certain Stephen King ones. And Lisa's like, I've not read it, but I think it sounds interesting. I'm just shocked that Jack is reading it before me. And then she says in the talking head, she goes, I'm an avid reader. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if Lisa Barlow, you're at your public library and you see, you know, like, guess who's hooked on phonics? Lisa Bar. You know what? There's only two things I like to have in my hand. A nice cold Diet Coke and the newest Danielle Steele novel. I'm Lisa Barlow for reading. So Lisa's telling Jack that Heather, you know, like Heather's asking all these questions about the temple and Lisa and Jack talk about going to the temple. And Lisa's like, John is going to go. But Lisa, but Lisa, she's like, I have to think about what is right. Like, and I respect the garments, like the magic underwear, but I don't wear that. And Jack's like, oh yeah, the G's. Like the garments, he calls them the G's. I like these kids. They always just find a way to make it a little hipper. Oh, the magic undies? You mean the G's? G-E-E-S? G's? Yeah, I'm going to be rocking these G's. I love, that's the only, one of the only things. I mean, you know, Mormons really do have a strong aspect of family and community in that sense. There's so much I disagree with, but I will say the magic underwear, it's that thing that kind of gets me every time because I love magic and I love superhero stuff. And I just, it it always says like, it kind of gives you that extra superpower. For me, it would be another layer of clothing that I would sweat through. So that worries me, of course, but there is something intriguing. Like, you know, as a kid, do you guys remember this? A lot of you are women, so I don't know if they really push these, but as a little boy, they had these underoos and it was like, you could have the Batman one or the Superman one. And I remember wearing this as a 19 year old little boy. No, as a, you know, as a little boy and every day I'd just be like, dude, fucking Superman right now. And I would like usually wet my pants, but it was like, dude, Superman wets his pants. Like that's, that's badass. By the way, that's the last time I acted like Heather Gay was when I was a kid. Just a steady stream of pee and puke and poop. like. But I love those magic underoos, and I was like, why don't they make adult underoos? Like, when are they going to make that fat? Like Kim Kardashian, where are your skims for men in the like superhero genre? Like, where we come on? Me on Shark Tank, sharks. I've got a very good investment opportunity for. I am looking for thirty million dollars for one percent of adjusted um, gross. I would like to build Batman underwear that actually can do things for you. Great. What's the technology? That's up to you, Sharks. I'm looking for somebody that can help build this and create this idea. I rest my case. 
So Lisa in a confessional is like, I go to church every Sunday. You know, the difference is like, it's like pretty buildings, the temples, but you have to be worthy of going to them. I might not feel worthy because I drink too much Diet Coke. Uh, Someone might not feel worthy if they drink too much alcohol. Someone might not be worthy because they're hitting it with their neighbor. There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons you don't go. And of course, there are nights I wonder, was I good enough today as a mom? Like that is a really, if you break that 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 confessional down, that's intense of Lisa Barlow sometimes not feeling worthy and then going, oh, I don't know. You know, fuck it. Uh, I'll say it because of Diet Coke. The Lord doesn't like me because he hates sugar additives. He says Coke is real sugar and that's what you should be drinking. But what God doesn't understand is that it doesn't taste nearly as good as an icy cold Diet Coke and the calories, of course. (laughs) I just, I, and there's something kind of beautiful about Lisa Barlow being potentially insecure in a way that's not insecure, you know, in like secure insecurity, if that makes sense. But she, Lisa says to Jack in the scene, she's like, clearly I'm a great mom, Jack. If you made this decision to go on your mission and Jack's like, no, the decision was on me though. That's why I didn't tell you fudge college, mom. I love Jack. Doesn't even let Lisa have this. Like I must be a pretty good mom. If you're going to go on a mission. No, I hid this from you. I didn't want you anywhere near this decision. And Lisa's like, I know, but I'm so excited for you. I love you so much. It's really sweet. You can tell she loves the way that she knows how to love. And I don't know, but that's really to send your kid away. Not, she's not being sent away, but for him to make that decision to go away for two years, part of me is like hoping Jack just like going on my mission, talk to you guys in two years. And he's off in like Cabo or something for two years, just maxing and relaxing. Cause I just did not see this coming. I want to, you know, I will say this is sometimes when I wish the show wasn't as soap opery. Soap opery. It was soap opery because I would love to know, really, I would love to know to talk to him about a conversation about spirituality, about what this calling feels like, about what he thinks it's going to be. Have you studied? Have you researched? Have you heard first person accounts from people have gone? Have you read Heather Gay's Bad Mormon? Those things. Do you have fear? What is your, you know, like, and especially we're also te- technological. Uh, so driven by technology, always having a phone in your hand, a computer there. You don't have any of that stuff. How is he going to get past that? And it's a really interesting thing. And also how much was his dad a part of this decision? We obviously know that Lisa wasn't, was his dad. Okay. We're now at a new scene, Angie's white box home. Angie's making a tray of rich Greek snacks and Lisa and Whitney arrive with gifts and there's so much white in the house and outside of the house because of the snow. I thought I was like having like a visual blur, but it was just all the white on screen. And Lisa's like, oh my God, all my favorite things you've put out. And Lisa's like, I love coming to a Greek's house because I know I'm going to eat. And then Lisa goes, do you have Diet Coke? And Angie's like, no. Which Angie, like, what the, where are you, dude? You're in Lisa Barlow's Utah. You don't have Diet Coke? What's up? Lisa's like, it's okay. I'll grab one on the way home. And then they all share a laugh about Diet Coke, even though there's nothing funny about how good it tastes. Uh, Angie and the girls gather on the big white sofa and 
Whitney's like, how do you feel after the other day? And Angie's like, I am still processing having a storyline. I feel like I'm half asleep right now. And Lisa's like, I know what this has been like. I went through it last year. I wish, I wish someone had checked in on me last year. Instead, I had to go to bed eating a burrito. Lisa, what? What are you talking about? Like, you you had me at like, you went through this last year with Meredith. I wish somebody had checked in on me, but where you completely lost. Like, I went to sleep eating a burrito. Like, what a little detail. Like, tell us about the burrito. What kind of burrito was it? Was there salsa? Like, you, do you just randomly eat burritos in the bed? I mean, I do that, but I'm not Lisa Barlow. Angie goes, I am so grateful that you are here to put a smile on my face in front of my daughter, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, there is a little person involved and, you know, to see Sean like that, it just crushed me. And Sean's like, Lisa's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the impact this is going to have on Electra. And Angie goes, she's gonna, you know, She's going to hear this because it's out there. And I'm like, how, listen, like what is going on in these public schools? Are kids going like, are they talking about like dicks and butts and like what's going on? And like, what, what, what are the kids talking about? What? I guess I'm ignorant. Anyways, how, and Angie's like, how will this affect my daughter? And Sean, he says, I have been working so hard to be her hero and her everything. And I don't want her to think that I would do this to our family. And Lisa was like, once again, I was just in your shoes. And you and Sean are just like me and John. We work together. We're family. We're inseparable. Uh, and then Lisa's like, I went through it last year. Lisa keeps going like, I did this last year. Oh my God, last year. When he goes, do you know where Sean sleeps every night? in bed with your daughter, with Electra. And Angie's like, yeah, yeah, Whitney, we all to go to bed at the same time. And I fell asleep with her little hand in mine last night. But just how am I going to navigate this with her? And Lisa goes, I'm in a weird position because I'm trying to navigate a friendship with Meredith. But in my head, I'm like, no, 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 no. Pump the brakes, girlfriend. How do I stay silent when she is doing the exact same thing to you as she did to me last year? <laughs> she says once again, she's doing what you she, she did to me. It's like a formula. Take Lisa's name out. Insert Angie's. And Whitney's like, my advice is don't feed into Meredith. Learn from my experiences. Move on. She is not worth it. And Lisa cuts her off to go, and mine. And when he goes, this is not worth it. Why is Monica saying so much though? Why is she in it? And when he goes, I feel like she heard the rumor and wanted to be a good friend in the moment. She fucking makes up shit, Whitney, just like the Snoop Dogg thing about the plane ride. I like that stuff. Like, I've thought about it all week. What's up with me wanting to fly with Snoop Dogg? How dare you? I would rather her say my husband fucks people on the mean streets of Utah. When he goes, I know, but the point is, you know, you and Monica had an interesting time in Palm Springs, but she had the courage to tell you she's been a good friend. Whitney in a confessional goes, Monica is not to be blamed just because she said what the rumor was, Meredith, she's it's the decoy. I can't believe Lisa is falling for this too. Like Meredith is the one who started this. <laughs> when he's like, it wasn't me. You've got to understand. Nobody, I this my fingerprints are not on this. You can't prove this in a court of law. When he goes, you're doing so well, Monica. I thought we were coming into a different situation today. And Lisa goes, you're so tough. 
you remind me of me last year. And when he's like, you're strong, you're a badass. And Angie's like, how do you feel about Heather the other day? And Lisa explains that she told Heather about Jack going on the mission. And Lisa also goes, yeah, I told her she was the last one to know. (laughs) Which, of course, feeds on Heather's insecurities about always not being the popular one. And I explained to her it was a positive experience for Jax. I don't need to argue with Heather. And Angie's like, after Palm Springs, I've seen a different side to Heather. And she invited me to her house. Oh, amazing. Flashback scene of Heather and Angie outside on a balcony at Heather's house painting birdhouses. Like, are we running out of activities? Why don't we just count pennies in a scene? Like painting birdhouses. What? What? Angie apologizes to Heather and Heather goes, I have mad respect for Angie after the trip. And and I'm sorry, Angie. I'm sorry. This was one week earlier. Angie, by the way, painted her birdhouse pink and Heather painted hers green. And Heather says, you know, you've said a lot of mean, horrible things to me about my life. And Angie's like, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Um, But uh, Heather's like, I couldn't have survived that trip, you know, the way you did. You really showed up. And I want to apologize that I didn't show up for you at all. And Angie goes, the fact you are acknowledging, it gives me a glimmer of hope that we can move forward. I love Angie. of Like the fact that you're acknowledging that I'm on this show is so exciting for me. Angie says, I was honored to be invited to Heather Gay's home. I've known her since I was 15 and she, she finally opened up to me. I let her piss on me. Angie tells the girls that Heather felt bad that she sat back because in Palm Springs, it was layered on and she was a part of it. And I think she felt guilty about it, she tells the girls. And Lisa cuts her off to say, I know what it feels like to be layered on. Trust me. Trust me. Last year. Angie goes, I don't know. She was receptive and kind. And Heather said I took a lot of shit and had a lot of grit. (laughs) I love that. Like, Heather basically kissed my ass like she used to kiss Jen Shaw's. And I don't know. I liked it. Lisa cuts her off and goes, oh, my God, you're so lucky she gave that to you. She's never given me that. No, for real, Ange. Like, a lot's going on in my mind right now. I'm happy for you. But she is never giving me that. Like, ever. Ange. And it's like ever, I have mixed feelings about it. I'm literally getting triggered by this because where was this friendship last year? This is fucking bullshit. But she goes, this is fucking bullshit, staccato. This is fucking bullshit. The amount of crap I've gone through and seen and I've gone through and I've had to put my hurt aside, eating burritos at night in my bed for a lot of things. And for me, I'm like, you know what? Last year, Heather, if you cared for me, like about like 10, like 10%, like you would say you took a beating, Lisa. I saw you being brutalized to the point where you ate burritos in your bed at night. Lisa in a confessional goes, it's so upsetting to see me. Where are my accolades for putting up with people talking about my family, talking about my business? Angie, you had a big bad weekend in Palm Springs. I had to endure it for three fucking years. Tin roof, rusted. Now we cut back to the girls on the sofa and Lisa's like, like, listen, Angie, you just had your shit yesterday. Like literally, this is not about me, but I have literally telling you it's about me. Like what? You had like 10, I mean like, Ange, I know this sucks and it's so raw. Like I, it wouldn't stop someone. Like if somebody told Henry who's in fifth grade that there's no, 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 this is it. She goes, 
it wouldn't. She goes, the other day, someone told Henry, who's in fifth grade, that there's naked pictures of his mom online. Harry, Henry lost his mind in fifth grade. He called me hysterically crying. He's in fifth grade. And because all this stupid stuff, it made me think that like, oh my God, there's this stuff out there about his mom. Wait, are there naked photos of Lisa Barlow? Have you guys heard that? Like what? What? But also, what is going on in these schools? And wait, did did Henry run off like during a class to call his mom? What is going on? There, no, there's not naked pictures of Lisa Barlow. And if there is, let me know. But like, there's not. Well, what is going on with these kids? Whitney in a confession, by the way, Whitney's like, there are naked photos of me. Whitney in a confession goes, Lisa's reaction is very shocking. I had no idea she was harboring so many feelings from last year. But like Lisa, read the room. The timing is not right. We came here to make Angie feel better. We came here to make Angie feel better. F-I-L-L. Lisa's still going off on the sofa. I had this shit kicked out of me emotionally. And I was like, whatever. When he goes, is it hard to hear she got invited over to Heather's for an apology? And Lisa's like, you got an apology. Like, I want you to get that. You've never gotten that from Heather. Like, I like myself too much to even deal with this. I'm good. I've got my bed burritos. You know, I'm good with you guys. I'm good with you, Whitney. I'm good with you, Angie K. I'm good with the Greeks. All I care about, everybody else will figure it out. And she's doing lots of hand motions during this. Now we cut to my favorite scene of the show, Brooks and Meredith in the car. Brooks is driving and he's wearing snow goggles and they take up most of his face. They're like Angie K's glasses, but these aren't glasses. They're meant for the ski slopes. And I spent the entire scene going, wait, why is he wearing the snow goggles? Like, come on. Is this, is this a bit like it was so, it was just like, oh, it's a bit. And Meredith, she's like in this fur headband and long ponytail. It's just truly bizarre. And Meredith's kind of had this smile, like, just driving with my son with goggles on. Yeah, just driving. And Meredith, she's like, um, I've had a bit of a rough few days. After me and Kathy, our good friend Kathy, our new friend Kathy, me and Kathy, we left Leisha's party. We got in a car and we and they, they do this kind of dramatic reenactments. It's like music, and we see the we're driving for about fifteen minutes, and it was a terrible, 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 terrible snowstorm. And our driver he lost control of the car. And on one side there was just there was the cliff, and then on the other side a snowbank, and it appeared we were going to go over the side of the cliff, and the driver he gained enough controlled the car to drive into the snowbank. It was terrifying. It was truly terrifying. And we see, she's like, I thought we were going to go over the cliff. And there's like a tear in her eye. But the driver somehow gained enough control to go in the snowbank. It was terrifying. Meanwhile, production completely confuses us because it's like showing old movie Orange Sepia filter on the road and it has kind of clown music like and the production shows the car on the snowbank and says Meredith's accident and the accident is in quotes. What does this mean? Does it mean Meredith's making up this story? Does it mean look at it? It wasn't that big of a deal. The snow drift. It wasn't that big of a deal at all. 
Like, I don't understand what this necessarily means. Like, was this Meredith making up a story to try to get sympathy after she potentially started a rumor about this guy sucking D in the mean streets of Utah? What was I And Meredith is crying. She's like, I thought I was dying. I thought my last interactions of significance was what happened at Leisha's party where it was just ugly and mean with that stupid Greek horror NGK. And I decided I wanted to spend my time with people I care about the most. Kathy! <laughs> with people I care about the most. And then we get a shot of Brooks in the snow goggles. <laughs> and she goes, because we never know when it's ending. And um, can we come back to this? She, he, she stops the confession. She's like, can we, can we talk, come back to this, please? So Meredith and Brooks now start in this car ride, start talking about his dating life. Dating life. Meredith's like, how's everything going on the dating front, Brooks? What's going on there? And Brooks like, nothing serious, mom. I just got out of a serious relationship. Like, you know, I just got out. Meredith's like, listen, let me tell you about lady love, okay? It was a great first relationship, Brooks. You know, I mean, and Brooks like, I completely agree, mom. He was fun, you know, but moving on. She's saying everything very free, like moving on with a little, little doo-doo. And Meredith says, you know, watching Brooks navigate his first relationship, it was just incredible. I like that Meredith is like, watching my son fall in love is just amazing. It's one of the great pleasures of a life to not deal with rumors of our husband and just watch sons fall in love, to watch a heart beat, to find its other purpose. It's just amazing. It's just what I live for. Thank you to the driver that pulled into the snowbank and not into the cliff. <laughs> so Meredith goes, uh, well, well, Brooks, what you know? What are you looking for in a relationship? What you what are you looking for? And Brooks is like, I don't even know. And <laughs> Meredith's like, I'm just so happy that Brooks has become more secure in his own being. And yeah, I would imagine that's what we want for all of our kids. And it's beautiful, whether you're gay, straight, whatever you love, as long you know, like as long as you love, that's what I would imagine you want. So this is, you know, there is this sweetness underneath this scene, but it's just super weird at the same time. Um, and, uh, Mary's like, do you know what you want? He's like, I don't know what I, I don't know what I don't want. Um, it's wild. Did you see him more comfortable and open? And Mary's like, well, I like that your dad brings me coffee in bed every morning. And Brooks is like, I don't need my boyfriend to do that. <laughs> Which by the way, can you imagine like, Hey buddy, it's Seth Meredith. Wake up. I got your hot Java right here. Oh, also I have a cup of coffee. <laughs> Did you get it? I called my privates hot Java. Hey, Hey, look at hot Java standing up and wants to say hi. Also, I got your hot coffee. <laughs> Anyways, I'm off to Canton, Ohio. Cause I'm a, I run a business there. You're going to barely see me. Toodles. Meredith asked Brooks like, well, I'm, um, I was asked to host a committee and join the board at the GLAAD Awards. That's the Gay and Lesbian Alliance in L.A. Um, so I'm hoping you will all come. He's like, congratulations, Mom. That's very cool. It's, you know, it's awesome. You know, it's like, thanks, honey. Thank you so much. And then Mary's like, are you excited to go snowshoeing? <laughs> I didn't expect that. I was like, wait, what? This is what this whole car ride? We're going snowshoeing? 
And Brooks in the most monotone the most monotone voice ever goes, "Are you so excited to go snowshoeing?" Well, yes, Brooks, I am, but the uh, the weather is a little intimidating. And then Meredith, all of a sudden, after they've been driving for a long time, goes, I like how you're using your goggles as sunglasses as you drive. Really? Because I've been scared shitless this entire time watching this and weird as you recount an accident and you're letting your son wear snow goggles on an icy road. And Brooks goes, thanks. I like that you're wearing a 40 inch ponytail while we snowshoe. And then they both just laugh like Brooks is like, ha, ha, ha. And Meredith goes, <laughs> and then Brooks is like, we're here, the land of snowshoeing. Woo. And Mara's like, okay, let's do it. And then they start putting on these snowshoes. And you guys, if you, I know some of you just listen to recaps, but you've got to see this because they're putting on these snowshoes. And Mara's like, wow, look at these gear. I've done this before. And Brooks goes, let me be your ski concierge. And Meredith goes, Brooks, maybe you should stretch out a little more while you're putting these snowshoes on. And then Brooks goes, trust me, I get stretched all the time. Say what? Mary Cosby, look, what? You get, what are you? <laughs> Listen, man, what do you, do you mean? Like I get stretched? Like I get stretched? I'm going to get stretched. Like, what did you mean? I get stretched. Like, do you mean like shit? I get stretched. Like, do you mean like, was that like a sexual anyone? Like I get stretched. Like, what do you mean? What does that mean? Like it meant it was like a sexual thing, right? You guys like, I'm not, I don't, but, but I was just like, damn, I don't even think I would like make jokes about my mom. Like, yeah, I dig things, you know, like, uh, it was wild, but I was like, what? And Meredith then she goes, trust me, I get stretched all the time. And then like Napoleon Dynamite, he just starts off in these snowshoes. He's like, wee! And he's like just leaping, leaping in these sunshoes, snowshoes in the most awkward way. It was, I truly, I was like this, I, I've got to be in a dream. This can't be real. Like the snowbank and Meredith cackling. And I was like, what is happening? I love it all. New scene, we're with Monica, Nana, Olivia, and Monica's mom, Linda. And this whole scene is that they're going to Nana. Olivia is like, she likes to play cards with the older ladies at the, the I guess, the old lady and old man game house. I don't even know. Anyways, they stop at McDonald's and Monica's mom, Linda, is like, your Nana loves fish sandwiches from McDonald's. By the way, is fish sandwiches from McDonald's sponsoring the season? Mary Cosby had one two episodes ago. What's going on? Like, are fish sandwiches like a huge thing in Utah? Because I, I swear to God, I've not heard about a fish fillet sandwich. Until, like when we used to have to do Good Friday in like the Catholic religion and my mom, like my dad would be out of town. And she'd be like, let's just get fish fillet sandwiches. Like that's the last time I think I had a fish fillet sandwich. Monica, anyways, is in the car and goes, you know, I didn't get to know my cousins and aunts growing up, but me and my grandma are very close. We're soul sisters. And I know my time with her is limited and I don't take it for granted. And then her Nana is in the front and she's just not saying anything. And they're just talking about her. And she's like, yes, okay. she's not really saying anything. Linda says, Nana, Linda's like, Nana's hungry. Give her a fish sandwich. She's excited to see her friends at the center, but Nana just barely moves or speaks. They get to the center. Everyone's sitting, playing cards. They start playing the card game. And Monica's like, are we playing for money? And someone at the table's like, no, we play for Coca-Cola. I saw all these old people playing this card game. And all I could think was, 
Oh my God, Jen Shaw would take these people for everything they're worth. Jen Shaw would be like, Monica, get me into this old person card game. I got fake businesses to sell them. Didn't you guys think that too? Didn't you guys think like Jen Shaw would see this and goes, there's money to be made here. Anyways, they play and Monica asks her mom to step aside and get coffee with her. And Monica says, you know, mom, you should find a man, a man at this senior center. And they joke and mom's like, the only cute one just left. Story of my life. So they sit at the table and Monica's mom starts to talk about her date the other night. And she's like, he was only two years younger. And Monica's mom, Linda goes, he hits me up on a Thursday and he invited me to spend the weekend with him. Monica's like, did you have fun? She's like, yeah, but then he ghosted me. How are you ghosting people in your 60s? That's like dark, man. And Monica's like, you must have done something. And she's like, I did. And Monica's like, what did you do? In the background, we hear these ladies scream out things like, queen of hearts, queen of hearts, three of spades. Monica's mom, Linda, go, I told him that even though I'm not Mormon anymore, I'm still celibate. I don't believe in sex before marriage. And Monica looks shocked and laughing. She's like, mom, you got to give it up. Monica in her confessional goes, it's weird. She still follows the church doctrine, doctrine, but she left the church. Somehow it makes her feel like a better person. Like I may be doing this, but I'm not doing sex before marriage. Monica's mom goes, well, Monica, would you consider yourself Mormon? And Monica's like, well, I struggle with it. And Monica's mom goes, do you want to raise the girls in the church? Because I believe wholeheartedly that those girls need Jesus. They need the scripture. They need to learn how to pray. And Monica's like, mom, stop. Because when you left the church, you came to me and apologized for raising me in the church. And Monica's mom's like, no, I didn't. I don't think I remember that. You did, mom. That's wild because I will never forget, mom, that you you want me to raise my kids in it? And Monica's mom's like, well, what I think is important I think it's important. And family prayer. It's a joy to be the spiritual leader of your family. Every Sunday, we never missed. We went to church every Sunday. And Monica's like, and guess what? Your daughter still got knocked up at 19, which is like an automatic mic drop. Like, hey still got pregnant. Ace of spades. Monica's mom face goes blank. And Monica's like, you're saying if you don't go to church every Sunday, come on, I'm raising my kids wrong. If I don't, I do more with my kids than you ever did with me. And that is a fact. And Monica's mom goes, I was a single parent. And Monica's like, I'm a single parent. And Monica's mom goes, I'm making almost no money. And Monica goes, I made $6.25 an hour when I had Brie. I was on food stamps, all the things. And Monica's mom's like, well, we need to stop having a pissing contest. We are not equals. I am your mother. There has to be boundaries. And Monica goes, well, let's talk about a boundary that you cannot learn. You can't just walk into my house. I could be having sex. I could be 69ing on the couch and you just walk in and see it and we would never be the same again. Four of clubs. Guys, hey, hey, real quick. I was like, what? What is this 69 they speak of? You know what I'm saying? So I looked it up today and you're not going to believe. Are the kids out of the room? Or if the kid, hey guys, bad boy of podcasting here. 69, get, no, get this. Uh, You get naked, right? Okay. And then your private parts, they're out, right? This is just going to blow your mind. And then what you do. Okay, get a pad. I'm going to just explain this. Okay, so you're going to put your legs right. <laughs> I love that Monica uses 69. Also, you know, be honest with me. I, by the way, I for, I still have forgot to ask you how you guys are doing today. Anyway, but be honest, like, how many of you guys? <laughs> we should do a poll on my Instagram. How many of you guys are still like including like 69 into your repertoire? Like, or does that end like early 20s, mid 20s? You know, like. 
Like, is there like connoisseurs of the 1690s? I mean, let's be honest. We're adults here. Not me, but you guys potentially are. Like, are we still doing the hippity dippity that way? Like, is that still on the agenda? Is that like somebody's like, well, I'm really good at 69. <laughs> not good at cuddling, but I'm a great 69. I'm sorry. 69. <laughs> it's like, and I always say, it's like, um, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, dry, dry. It's like dry humping. Dry, dry humping. Dry humping is like a very high school thing because you're like, you're like, oh, and you're just like in your jeans and it's like denim rubbing on denim. <laughs> But if you and just dry humping, it's so primal. It's friction. <laughs> Anyways, Monica drops the 69 thing. And Monica's like, well, lock your door if you're going to 69 on the couch. What else? And Monica's like, don't say nasty things about me like when you forgot to hang up the phone on me the other day. And Monica's mom like, I didn't know you were on the phone. And Monica's explaining that they had some kind of disagreement. And then mom thought she hung up the line of the phone and she heard her mom say in the background, you fucking piece of shit. I hate your fucking guts, you fucking bitch. I fucking can't stand you. And then Nana, fish filet Nana, who's playing the game with her buds, her old buds, goes, in this place, you don't talk dirty. Not in this place with the card game. You don't talk dirty. And Monica is like, I was repeating what your daughter said, Nana. I don't care. I don't care who it is. No dirty here. No dirty. And she's like, Mom, honestly, it's not funny. And Mom's like, yeah, it's not funny. And then Monica explains that she's like, I could never imagine saying the things to my kids that you said on that phone. And Monica in the confessional is like, it's very on par for my mom. And in my worst days, mom, I don't talk about hating my children's fucking guts. I can't imagine ever saying that. Ace of hearts. And our final scene, we open up with Heather and Whitney meeting up at a ski mountain to ski. Whitney's in a red leopard print jacket and Heather's in a white and blue flower print. I'm just like, did you spend one whole episode's paycheck on these outfits? Which by the way, Whitney, I think Whitney's really pretty. Don't you, do you guys think Whitney's really pretty? I think she's really pretty. That, that, that's okay to say, right? Anyways, they match and Whitney's snowboarding. But by the way, both of these people, I could, couldn't make it like five feet. And Whitney's like, wee, I'm snowboarding. I'm get, I'm shredding this gnar. It's amazing. Fresh powder everywhere. Anyways, they finish skiing and they start talking about Lisa's party the other day. And Heather brings up Jack going on a mission. And Heather's like, it was a fun party until the end. Well, I talked to Lisa about Jack going on his mission at the Opera Ski, and she was like, said, she said that I was the last person she told. And I was like, why am I the last to know? And it's like, I know more about going on missions than anyone here. I went on one. Why am I the last to know? And Whitney's like, it seems like a sore spot for you. Does it bug you? And Heather to Whitney goes, does it bug you? And Whitney's like, no, I don't really care. I'm like, honestly, good for him. I think he's doing what is good for him at this point in his life. And Heather's like, and you don't have any global feelings about that in terms of the Mormon church? I don't even know what global means. No, she goes, I have global feelings about the Mormon church, but I don't think about Jack and his relationship in the church. Heather in a confessional explains that Whitney saying good for him is absurd. She's like, how could this church be this horrible traumatic thing that, you know, she had to get out of her life. She wrote a letter last season to get away from, but also be good for Jack to go out there and convert more people to live that life that you don't like. And we get a flashback to Whitney printing out that letter last season at the beginning. 
And Heather to Whitney goes, you don't feel conflicted about him going door to door telling people to join the church when you just left. If I'm hearing you, you just think it's hypocritical? Heather explains that she's conflicted because although she had good experiences and learned a language and got to see France on her mission, she also had to convince people who didn't want to change their lives to join the Mormon church. And she's like, I feel shame about that. I feel bad that I changed and ruined a lot of people's lives with such conviction. And it was reoccurring from, it was, it was, I don't know. I, I don't know what line I wrote down here, but it's just something about to each their own. And Whitney's like, do you expect me to knock on their door and say, stop this, Jack? And I was like, well, I feel like we're just not being honest about the church's history, that it's homophobic. homophobic. It, it disacknowledges any sort of transgender. It just says it doesn't exist. Heather in a confessional explains that these are her feelings about the church and they're not everyone's, but they are Whitney's and they bonded over that and they felt the same way. And Heather explains to Whitney, it's sexist, the church, it's bigoted. The church has a problematic racist history and I'm in a zone and she's you know, trying to form her own identity in a community that's telling her she's wrong. That's how I felt writing this book, Bad Mormon, on sale right now. I feel like I walk into a room and everyone assumes I'm their enemy because I wrote a book called Bad Mormon. And I feel like that's how Lisa felt. She didn't want to tell me about Jack's mission because I would feel a certain sort of way because I wrote a book about it. And when he goes, it's funny she says that because at Angie's house, Lisa had a major reaction to hearing that Angie went to Heather's house. And Heather's like, Ugh. she got mad that Angie came to my house. And when he's like, yeah, she was jealous. It seemed like she was hurt. And Heather's like, do you think I should invite Lisa over to paint bird cages? No, Heather goes, I'm really confused by Lisa. I don't know what she wants from me. If she wants to have a compassionate friendship and include me, but she's upset that I texted Angie. And when he's like, she was really butthurt about it. I've never seen anything like it before the end. That's the end of this week's episode, you guys. Next week, we have Lisa talking about, uh, you know, your friend, <laughs> Lisa talking to Monica about their friendship. We have an Easter lunch, a Greek Easter lunch. We have Heather talking to Lisa about the Mormon stuff again. And, you know, Lisa's like, I don't care about bad Mormon kids. I'm being a good Mormon mom. And then we have Monica to Angie going like, dude, I'm saying this stuff to your face. I'm a good friend to you. And Monica's mom's like, stop it. Stop it. Don't be 69 and at this party. And Lisa's like, what is happening? So next week seems like more of a mess. Heather seems like she butts in about something that she shouldn't butt in, but it's an interesting conversation. But I'm like, Heather, you are a 50 plus year old woman, you know, that has now come to this conclusion for yourself that the Mormon religion is not good when you've known this for potentially well over a decade. But now that you're on TV, you wrote a book about this as the foundation of your book, even though you came to this just in the last couple of years, you've got to let people find their way. And yes, it is dangerous. Yes, all of this stuff, but you have now made money profiting off of these secrets. You can't expect to go everybody to go Heather's own way because she wrote a book called Bad Mormon. Everybody finds their own way in life, unfortunately. You can try to lead them the right way, but I just don't think this is Heather's fight. This is not Heather's battle. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? But anyways, what a show. What a podcast. We did it. We got to some Orange County. We got to some Salt Lake recaps. Thank you guys for another great week. We just had a great week of shows. Come back for another great week of shows next week. If you're in New York, hopefully I'll see you around old uh, Manhattan. I'm going to go see Joy Gorga's show. Hopefully I'll see some of you guys there in Jersey. Who knows? But remember, it's the weekend, so take some time for yourself. What we always say, eat something good, drink something great. 
great. Reach out and tell an old friend that you love them. Um, kiss somebody only if there's consent, of course. Um, read something cool. Go out and walk in nature or just lay in bed and stare at the ceiling. Do whatever it takes to help you get recharged. Listen to music. Dance like nobody's watching. Anything. And then get refreshed and meet me back here Monday morning for all new episodes of So Bad It's Good, presented by Betches Media. I'll do a couple more shows on the Patreon this weekend. If you need more, patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. Bye, you guys. I love you. Have a great weekend. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com and follow the show at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.